0: Hello and welcome to this episode of A Pinch of Honesty. Um, It is Tuesday, Tuesday the 22nd, getting closer and closer and closer to Christmas. And um, as we approach Christmas, right, the excitement each morning of, um, oh my gosh, it's nearly Christmas, uh, is really getting kind of strong in our house, right? Uh, Eight year olds, they still firmly believe in. Santa Claus, and um, so it's it's pretty exciting. It's an exciting time. So for this episode, I wanted to talk about hobbies, and in particular, one of my hobbies. Um, I am, for those of you that don't know me, uh, an avid crafter. However, um, one of the crafts that I've done for kind of as long as I can remember is knitting, right? So anything with yarn, knitting, crocheting, those types of things. My grandma taught me when I was small, and so I've done it ever since, right? And um, here are some funny things about crafting for folks who are non-crafters that they may not know about, all right? So um, first of all, uh, the amount of yarn you have and, and the store of yarn you have is called your stash, And so it's always hilarious to hear grannies talk about their stashes um, because it's often referred to in drug terms, right? But for crafters, especially knitters uh, or crocheters, uh, stash is the amount of yarn you have, uh, you know, scrawled away for rainy day projects. Which is just, you know, it, it, it's a it's a funny term. Uh, some of the other terms that are interesting is a um, WIP, so work in progress, so especially if you're working on something long, takes a really long time. You'll note it as a WIP, a work in progress. And um, the other term that a lot of non-knitters or non-crafters wouldn't know would be to frog something. And when I frog something, it means that I'm ripping out all the stitches and it's referred to as frogging. And I've heard it referred to as frogging as long as I can remember. It's referred to as frogging because when you pull the stitches out, you know, you're ripping, rip, rip, rip it, rip it. (laughs) And so it sounds like a frog, right? So, uh, those are some interesting craft terms for those folks out there who've never really been into knitting. Um, Annually, kind of around this time of year, I go through uh, my Ravelry queue and I'll clean it up. So, there is a space on the internet. Um, I actually uh, joined this particular space very early on. So, a girlfriend of mine who is a librarian had seen an article about uh, in the New York Times about a new online uh, community for knitters, and it was called Ravelry. And at the time, um, there were just a couple thousand people on this site. And so um, I requested to join. They didn't have the bandwidth to have, you know, like a lot of people on it or, you know, hardly, you know, what you would see out there today. Um, And so it took took a few months before my request to join uh, was approved. And when it was approved, then I joined, you know, this worldwide community called Ravelry. And it has really, for me anyways, changed how I knit and how I craft because I can catalog all of my yarn. I can catalog all my patterns. I can easily go through and match things up. I can put in dates that I want to have stuff done by. I can take pictures of completed items, right? So it's, it is, um, for me anyways, a one-stop shop basically. And almost any pattern you can imagine is out on Ravelry somewhere, right? So you can always search for things and find them, which is really cool as well. Um, and so this time of year, however, I'll go through, so you can queue up patterns you want to work on. And what ends up happening over the course of a year is I'll find something and I'll end up down a rabbit hole and I'll queue 10 patterns that are kind of similar where I'm trying to decide exactly what it is that I want to make, but I don't want to lose any of the patterns. And so what ends up happening is that I end up with hundreds of thousands of patterns queued in my uh, little area and it makes it untenable, right? It makes me actually feel a bit, um, a bit of pressure, because there's a lot of stuff I just I would never make anyways, right, uh, but maybe it was for a special project for you know my daughter's teacher or you know for a Christmas gift or a birthday gift or something, so I spend this time of year and I go through and I clean up my queue, and so I'm wondering if there's any other um crafters out there who do something similar on their ravelry queue or if they ever notice that it becomes you know it's fifty five pages long <laughs> of just pattern after pattern after pattern after pattern um. And so way back in the day, um, and back in the day, you know, I mean, probably 2005-ish, 2004, um, I really got into reading a lot of knitting and crafting blogs and I found them just highly inspirational and, um, I used a blog reader at the time, so, And basically every day I would, I would log into my computer and I would check, oh, okay, you know, who's posted something new. And blogs at that point were just a massive part of my life. Um, and I, I honestly, every single morning would go through and, and get caught up on all of my blogs. And I found a lot of people kind of, you know, across the country and across the world that I either have become friends with or, Um, or people that, you know, you kind of just see from afar while, while reading their blogs. And, you know, recently I've gone back through to figure out because over time, um, my blog reading kind of waned, right? So my blog reader was kind of discontinued. Then I went to go find another blog reader. It only read blogs from certain locations, you know, so over time, it's like the blogs in which I kept pace with that I loved, um, I slowly lost a handle on. And so, I uh, found myself the other day going back and seeing if I could find one of the older blogs that I had always really loved, which was Knit and Tonic, which I thought was a really cutesy takeoff of, you know, gin and tonic anyways. And the Lady Wendy, who had all of her, you know, patterns and and kind of life up on her blog, um, I went to go check it out. And I was actually kind of disappointed to see that it basically hasn't been maintained for two years. So I'm not sure what Wendy's up to, and I don't know exactly where she's at um and i know that for a lot of folks these things you know go away with time anyways right like you lose the ability to to spend that amount of time you know working on a blog um but then it made me go back and i and i dug through and i basically found that out of all the blogs that i used to um read religiously um really only two of them still exist and those two heavily use instagram instead of blogging um and they do more kind of stories on Instagram than they do blogs themselves. And it kind of made me sad. It made me a bit nostalgic for back when, you know, there wasn't kind of this instant gratification of Instagram and where people kind of had to think long and hard and actually put, you know, pen to paper, so to speak, for their blogs. So it made me go and look at my old blogs. And I, in general, I have two blogs. I have a knitting blog and I have a general blog. And neither of them do I ever upkeep, right? I haven't upkept them in years. However, I do keep track of you know breakdowns of um, lists for you know the books I've read, um, and I'll do kind of like a year in review. And so I figure maybe for the next uh, for the next podcast, I'll I'll go through you know a couple of my years and reviews. But it made me realize that what I used to spend a lot of time doing actually was going through and categorizing um, like top ten favorite songs, top 10 favorite, you know, colors in order. I mean, things highly mundane, highly mundane. Um, And I don't know why the obsession with ranking anyways, but it, uh, it kind of, it, it brought me back to, you know, kind of the good old days of going through and, and trying to figure out something I think even to blog about. And so I would, you know, come up with these lists of things. and then i decided you know if i had to think about it in order what would be my top 10 disaster films right disaster films i love right um disaster films you know where i've either gone back and i've rewatched them or there's just something about them that you know i absolutely adore and i couldn't come up with 10 so that's interesting right i couldn't come up with 10 disaster films but um here is my list and it's, and it's in, um, should I do it in order? I'll do it. I'll do it in order from first all the way to the last. So my very first and always favorite is Independence Day. Just always has been. Um, you know, we often quote things from Independence Day, absolutely love Independence Day. Uh, the next one on my list Uh, would have to be Night of the Comet. So Night of the Comet came out in the 80s. And if you haven't seen it, you should try to go rent it at some point in time. Uh, But it was one of the very first Doomsday movies that I ever saw that I really just loved. So Night of the Comet would be number two. Uh, Number three would be Armageddon. What's not to love about Armageddon? Um, Number four would be Doomsday. Uh, You know, a bit darker, but really like it. Uh, Next, you would have 28 Days Later. Uh, I kind of feel like with COVID and what's going on in England currently, they're living 28 days later. (laughs) Next would be The Day After. And lastly, I think I would put on their Deep Impact. So there are quite a few asteroid impact films on my list. Uh, Kind of end of the world doomsday-y. But uh, what would be your list, right? If you had to come up with a list of your favorite doomsday movies, what would be your list? And uh, do you have any that are similar to mine? Um, so on this Tuesday, you know, we've been, uh, again, watching more holiday films, um, playing catch, uh, trying to keep a bit of normalcy. So I still have my daughter going through and we're still practicing some multiplication tables and, you know, doing some reading, trying to keep things a bit consistent, right? So it's not full on, full on break. Um, but she's still doing some stuff and, you know, some chores, Um, and of course, uh, trying to make sure that all the last little bits of things are taken care of. And so yesterday it was the day to go and kind of drop off a whole big swath of packages. And I was stressed. I was pissy. I was to some extent really agitated because we just had these stacks of gifts and things to get, you know, not get rid of, but to, to deliver. And, you know, my daughter had to go to swim practice and I was trying to just, you know, frantically get everything done. And I took a moment to take a breath and to remember that this is about happiness and joy. It's about being present. And yeah, there's a lot to get done, but if you're not enjoying the getting done, um, you're missing a bit, right? You're missing a bit of what the holidays really are intended for. And so took some deep breaths, got myself a nice sparkling water, <laughs> and then you know hit the ground running. And as I did, every time I wrapped something, every time I put something in a bag, I thought about the person and I thought about the joy I wanted to give them, the happiness I wanted to give them. And I found that instead of that, gut kind of stress feeling of all the things that need to be done. Instead, I I really had a much, much more enjoyable presence uh, during, you know, the the prepping of all these things. And so my um, one wish for you is that if you're feeling that pressure of the holidays, that pressure to get everything done, you know, take a deep breath, think about exactly what it is that you're doing it for, Um, and be present and enjoy it and pass that along to the person who you're intending those gifts for. So happy nearly Christmas Eve, and we'll see you in the next day or two. Thanks for tuning in.